0: Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at WhitRiverside. It's good to be here. And uh, if you are anything like me, you're kind of... Thinking about Christmas, looking forward to it, possibly with a sense of expectation, maybe with trepidation. Who knows what's going to happen? Are we going to have people in our homes? Yes. Will we be cooking turkeys? Or will we just leave it in the freezer until this all blows over? Who knows? But today is uh, Advent Sunday, the first Sunday in Advent. Advent. Now, we kind of have these things because there's this thing called the Anglican calendar. I don't know if you're aware of that. But they have this amazing calendar that takes you through the year. And they decided somewhere back in the whenever, in the dark mysteries of whatever, that this Sunday would be the first Sunday in Advent. And I have to confess to you that my my roots are actually in the Anglican church. Now, that may come as a surprise to some of you. It comes from my childhood. And I used to live next door to St Luke's Church in the Old Kent Road. Ask your question. Now, if you're a Christian, you have this hope and expectation that at some point you are going to be in heaven with the Lord. Isn't that good? Yeah, Yeah, it's good. And you're going to have an opportunity to meet people from times past. Do you have anybody on your must-meet list? Now, apart from Jesus, have you got anybody on your must-meet list? I've got one person. I've probably got many, but this one is special to me. This is a woman who I'll call Mrs. W. Because actually I can't remember her name. I was only a young lad when we first met. See, I lived on the busy road of the Old Kent Road, and in those days, we were able to go round into the back streets and play football. And this lady kind of befriended me and my friends. I don't know if if she's about to do this today, but she had this ministry of bringing young, young people into her home, giving us orange juice and cake, and befriending us. And then she'd come round and she'd visit my parents and say, I'd like to take your son to Sunday school on Sunday afternoon. Would you be happy to do that? Well, being like most parents, getting rid of their kids for an hour on a Sunday afternoon, you know, it was a no-brainer. So at that point, I went to Sunday school. And that's where the seeds of faith were sown in my heart because I was told about Jesus and I really want to meet her because we had this series about the life of Try, And she was a woman who did live the life of Try. And I'd really like to meet her and thank her for setting me on the path of faith. You see, work with children is so vital because it's there that the seeds of faith are sown. And those seeds are coming to life at some point, maybe later in life as they grow. Each Sunday as we celebrate, we're looking forward with expectation to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, born of a virgin, God who comes to live with us, being fully human, yet still fully God. And God comes to us in the form of a baby, a vulnerable baby. He comes into a a normal family. He doesn't come in a palace. But he comes to live on earth, to experience life as we experience. And he comes because he cares. God cares. God loves. God sent Jesus. Because God had this great and amazing salvation plan for every tribe and nation and person in the world. And this was going to be worked out through the life and the death of Jesus Christ. Now the word Advent means coming, arrival, onset, approach, appearance, entrance. Visitation And the New Testament writers use practically all of those words to describe the coming of Jesus. Advent is also de- defined as the re- arrival of a notable and worthy person. And I think we can say, without contradiction, that the life of Jesus has had an enormous impact on the world, probably more than any other living person in all of history. And down through the years, billions and billions of people have come to know Christ as their saviour. And we look back at that first Christmas, and it's a long time ago now, but down through the centuries, there's always still, though, that sense of expectation. There's always that sense of expectation. Christmas still excites Do you get excited about Christmas? Do you get that sense? Now, I don't get excited in September when they start doing Christmas adverts. That really turns me off. But I do get excited the the closer we get. There's the singing of the carols. There's the putting up of the tree. And we've got it in our diary. Our tree is going up. And we're going to put lights and all that kind of stuff on it. And for children, there's an expectation. And it can be a special time, a magical time, isn't it, for them. But not all children. And I'm so pleased and glad that we have a project where we're buying presents for children who are not going to get them so that they have something to look forward to on Christmas Day, that they too can join in with that sense of expectation because we want to show the love of Jesus to everyone that we can. Now, do you think this is going to work, Simon? Yes. <laughs> this is a famous prophecy in Isaiah that predicts that Jesus will be born of a virgin. And in the Gospels, we read that the Holy Spirit comes upon Mary and Jesus is conceived of the Holy Spirit so that the child that is born will be called the Son of Of God. Now, to some, this seems like a myth, a made up story, and I have to say, even some Christian theologians and even some Christian leaders have been known to dismiss the virgin birth. But let me assure you, let me tell you plainly and clearly, this is no myth, it is a reality. For Jesus to be the saviour of the world, he had to be truly divine as well as being truly man. His death was no ordinary death. This was God himself dying for you and for me, for all the wrongdoing that we do. All the thoughts that we have that are unkind and unworthy. All the ways in which we fall short of God's perfect standard. And Jesus died For us, because he took upon himself all that wrongdoing so that you and I could be forgiven. A perfect God takes upon himself all our imperfections and the consequences that we should face. And in return, he gives us forgiveness, he makes us anew. And we get to be adopted into the most amazing family in all creation. We get, called, we get to be called children of God. Are you excited about that? Oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, I'm overwhelmed. Or underwhelmed. See, Jesus wasn't just a mere man. For what man could take upon himself the sins of the world in payment for all the wrongdoing? And Jesus came to fulfill all the prophecies that are written in the Old Testament. To fulfill the law and the prophets is what he said. And all the prophecies that have been or will be, they will be fulfilled in Jesus. And those prophecies were written hundreds and hundreds of years before in the Old Testament. Turn over. Ah, we're okay. How are we doing for time? Oh, Quick, move on. John writes in his gospel that Jesus came to his own, but they did not recognize him. Why was that? Well, well, when you're looking at the prophecies, and you've got to remember that they were looking for a military leader. They were looking for somebody to come and save them. And Jesus is the one that comes to save. I think I'm having a Boris Johnson moment. (laughs) I think I put my notes in the wrong order. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, okay, right. <laughs> they were looking for a military leader. They were looking for somebody like King David. And when you're being oppressed by, by the Romans, then it was easy to see why they were looking for that. But Jesus come, came to be a suffering servant. It's easy when you're looking for a military leader to overlook the passages such as Isaiah 53 that set out the fact that Jesus came to die for our sins. We don't have time to look at this passage in detail, but I would urge you if you want to go home and look at it and read it through, you will be absolutely amazed at how clearly this sets out why Jesus came clearly sets out that upon him was to be laid the iniquity of us all, the sin, the wrongdoing that we have done, or that we do. And in that passage, it finally comes to a prediction that death will not hold him, that he will not stay dead, that he will be raised from the dead. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offerings for sin... He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. And after he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and will bear their iniquities. He will see the light of life. He will prolong his days. He will not stay dead, is what's written here. And God raised Jesus from the dead as a sign to all that Jesus is the Son of God. And all who put their trust in him will be saved. And we are offered the gift of eternal life if we accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Jesus came to save, not to condemn. God so loves us, you and me, that he sacrificed his only son, that we should have life and life eternal. Now what's your expectation of God? What what is it that you picture? Maybe you're not even sure he exists, maybe you're on a journey at the moment to try and find out who God is. Do you think he's somebody who cares? Do you think he's somebody who's angry? Judgmental? Do you think he's somebody who wants to control your life and maybe not in a good way? Today I hope you'll change your expectation. God is for you and not against you. He offers love and forgiveness, peace and joy if you will just follow his way. Now, he doesn't promise that your life will be perfect, but he does promise that he will always be with you through the ups and downs of life. Whatever comes your way, he has promised never, ever to leave you or forsake you. And he promises that he has a plan for your life, a good plan. A plan that will enable you to live the best life that you could live. And Jesus rose from the dead so that we can know that there is life beyond this life in this physical body. There is a life that we can look forward to with great expectation if we put our faith and trust in Jesus. Now, what does that life look like? Have you ever kind of sat down and thought to yourself, what is it like? Am I going to be on a cloud, dressed in white, playing a harp? Well, I have to say, that really does not excite me. But this excites me. And this is another prophecy from Isaiah. To us, a son is given... And the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom and establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And ever. And as many evers as you want to put in there. You see, this is an expectation, a prophecy, that hasn't been fully fulfilled as yet. But this is a prophecy that Christians look forward to for when Jesus comes again. And this is a prophecy that tells us of the nature and the character and the type of kingdom that we can expect to be living in. The kingdom of a wonderful counsellor full of wisdom and truth, a mighty God for whom all things are possible, the everlasting Father who has enough love for everyone, more than enough love, the Prince of Peace. You know what? How much do we long for peace? Peace in our own lives and peace in our own hearts, peace in our own minds, peace in our own relationships, peace in the world, no more war, No more refugees, no more death, no more dying, of drowning, trying to cross a narrow strip of water. This this prophecy, though, is fulfilled in the heart of every Christian, followers of Jesus. And it's true for us if we allow Jesus to rule and reign and govern Our lives. You see, I know this to be true in my own heart and life and mind and soul. That when I submit to God's way and do his will, then things go an awful lot better than when I try things my way and try to do things under my will. And we'll live under a government that has no end. There's a loving God and everything will be done that will be done out of love and rightness. There'll be no more evil and greed. There'll be no more selfishness. We will live in peace. No more fighting. The world's going to be remade, and the perfect creation will be as it was always meant to be. And we will be changed, and we will be so loving, and so caring, and so compassionate, even more than we are today. And love will guide our thoughts, our actions. And we will worship God in spirit and truth. And in that worship, we will be perfected for eternity. That's a great expectation. Do you have that great expectation? Or it just, well, maybe pie in the sky when I die. Maybe, possibly, if I'm good enough, I'll get there. Wow. You see, when we celebrate the coming of Jesus as a babe in Bethlehem, underlying that is that we're also celebrating with an expectation that Jesus is going to come again and restore all things. You see, Christmas is more than trees. Love trees. More than presents. Oh, I love presents. It's more than light. I love light. It's more than tinsel. It's more than a gut-busting feast. Oh more than parties it's more than father christmas even you know it's all about jesus it's all about an invitation to receive christ into your heart into your life so that you can be in a relationship with god it's an invitation into love and forgiveness that you could become a child of god you know many people missed Jesus, when he came, because their expectations were wrongly placed. For them, Jesus was a disappointment. He failed to match the picture they had of the Messiah. They wanted something different, and they missed God's salvation plan. You know, expectations can be a blessing, but they can also be a curse. Expectations can be uplifting, they can spur us on, To greater things or expectations can be stressful and destructive. Expectations properly set are a source of joy and happiness. Wrong expectations are a source of disappointment and even bitterness. You know, relationships can be damaged and broken through unrealistic expectations. You know, it's good to have expectations for others. You know, we all have, perhaps if you're a parent, expectation of your children. But sometimes those expectations can be unhelpful. They can be unhelpful. Now, what's your expectations for this Christmas? Have you planned the perfect meal? Have you got the perfect family? (laughs) Well, that answered that one. Have you planned the perfect event? We're going to have three services. I'm sure they're going to be perfect. (laughs) You may have been planning it for months. You know, expectations can place a huge strain on families and friends. Parents strive for their children to have the perfect Christmas. Children strive to keep their parents happy. (laughs) Anything to keep the peace. You know, and Christmas time can be the most stressful time of the year for families. And the coming of the Prince of Peace doesn't seem to be the experience of many. And you know, and it can be a minefield that we have to navigate, isn't it? An emotional war that we have to get through. So maybe, just maybe. It's time to reevaluate our expectations. It's not only at Christmas, though, is it, that expectations run high. Every day we have expectations. I have an expectation that I'll wake up and have some breakfast. One of these days, that expectation won't be met. Sometimes our expectations, though, don't line up with God's plan for our lives. Then we open up ourselves to disappointment maybe even a sense of failure. Examining our expectations and laying them before God is a good exercise that we should regularly practice. The phrase man proposes but God disposes is something that we should remind ourselves of constantly. We should manage our own expectations in the light of God's plan for our lives. I want to ask you today, what expectations do you think God wants you to give up? Now, of course, we're called to persevere, but if we're striving in the wrong direction, then we find ourselves opposing God. We need God's grace to surrender our expectations, especially where it relates to our relationships. Laying down expectations that are not of God may be hard for you. But if you do this with an honest and open heart, then I believe that you will be able to find and enjoy the Prince of Peace in this season of Advent. Laying down our expectations can be like lifting a burden from our shoulders. So for this season of Christmas, this season of Advent, I want to urge you to ask God to help you re your expectations. A way to do this is to consciously put Jesus at the centre of all your plans and activity. Put him at the centre of your spending. Keep within your financial resources. Keep love at the heart of how you respond to others. You know, and sometimes we have to manage the expectations that other people put upon us. And sometimes we have to be clear and open and honest to tell people that we can't meet those expectations. This can be painful. It would require grace and love from God to do this well. Now I want you to stand with me for a moment, because we're going to finish this time with a little bit of ministry. I want you, if you can, put out your hands and open your heart to God and let the Holy Spirit prompt you now. Holy Spirit, bring to our minds those expectations. Those expectations you want us to let go of. Think of all what you've, that you're expecting in this season of Advent. And ask the Holy Spirit to come and reveal to you those expectations that he wants you to let go, that he wants you to release, that he wants you to see striving. Come Holy Spirit and prompt us now, prompt us now. And as the Spirit prompts you, I want you to turn your hands over as a sign that you're letting go of those expectations, that you're releasing them now. You're releasing them. And you're experiencing the peace of God. I feel like there's a ripple of peace moving across the room as the Holy Spirit ministers to us. Now let the Holy Spirit prompt you again what expectations are being laid upon you that you know in your heart of hearts you can't meet ask the holy spirit for strength and wisdom and grace to be able to tell those people who've put these expectations upon you, that you can't meet them. Do it with humility and with love. And lastly, there may be expectations that God has of you for you to fulfill this season of Advent. Maybe things you're struggling with, maybe things you don't want to do. But God is saying to you, come on, come on, my child. We'll do this together. Know that the strength of the Lord is with you. His grace is sufficient. And His love will enable you. Now, in your hearts, just thank the Lord for all that He's ministered to you in these last few minutes. Finally, ask God to help you put Jesus at the centre of this season, this season of Advent. Jesus be the centre of our thoughts, our plans, and our relationships. And I'll just finish with this prayer. Dear Heavenly, Fa- <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Father, May this Christmas bring happiness and joy into our homes. Peace within our lives and Jesus in our hearts. Help us to remember this season is about the birth of your son and his love for us. We ask for you to humble our hearts and to bless us this Christmas, that we may truly celebrate your gift of Emmanuel, God with us.